Welcome to the Perimenopausal Mamas podcast for hormonal mamas who want to reclaim their own natural state of health to thrive and raise healthy kids. I'm Dr. Lisa Weeks, naturopathic doctor in Toronto, Canada, and I'm a perimenopausal mama to my little boy named Stuart. And I'm Dr. Tony Reed, naturopathic doctor, birth doula, and hypnobirthing educator in Calgary, Canada, and I'm a perimenopausal mama to my little girl, Frankie. Thanks for supporting us for the past 100 episodes. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also support us by visiting our Patreon page, where you can find out how you can join us for our monthly patron webinar, where we do a deeper dive discussion about all things perimenopause. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not meant to substitute professional medical advice. Always consult with your licensed healthcare provider. Welcome back, everyone, to the Perimenopausal Mamas podcast. Today, we have a special guest, a repeat guest, Trish Krause. She was previously on episode 176. Um, I'll tell you what that was after. But today, she's going to be talking about food claims and how to decipher what labels mean, what the marketing hooks mean around different foods, because there is something called health washing out there. Um, Trish will probably give the example of fruits and vegetables being marketed as having no cholesterol. Um, she'll uncover, you know, what, why is that like such a silly claim? And then looking at, at foods and items that we might not quite understand what they're trying to market in relation to. So how can we figure out what's right for our bodies, for ourselves, and for our families. So welcome back, Trish. Hi, Lisa. Good to talk to you again. You too. Thanks. Yeah, we'll definitely link to episode 176 that you were on before. That was all about why yoga was good for your brain, heart, nervous system, and more. So we'll link to that. But first, I'll introduce Trish, and then we'll dive into the topic. So Trish Krause is the founder of Bite Out of Life Wellness, a trusted source for evidence-informed health and lifestyle information and practical strategies for change. As a habit-based transformational mentor and coach with a specialty in nutrition, hormone health, and insomnia relief, she enables busy professionals, particularly women in the prime of their life, to overcome the overwhelm and progress toward a life of calm and courage. By recognizing and reclaiming their wild and making their own health and lives a priority one step at a time. Trish is a certified holistic nutritionist and firmly believes food forms the foundation of health. She is also a certified yoga teacher and encourages the inclusion of a variety of yogic principles and practices to support the body, the brain, and enhance healthy habits. Trish lives in Kingston, Ontario with her partner and their two retired racing greyhounds, a late-in-life runner, yogi, piano student, author, and community creator. She believes in the power of reinvention at any age or stage of life and tries to be guided by the poet Mary Oliver's beautiful question, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? Trish educates and coaches individually and through her group health program, The Wild Collective. She works locally and virtually, serving clients across Canada. She can be reached at trish at biteoutoflife.ca. Welcome back again, Trish. 
Great to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation. I love chatting with you and I love hearing all your other guests too. It's it's such a super podcast, Lisa. Oh, thanks for the feedback, Trish. I love all the work you do as well. And I find it fascinating to hear how people got to where they are today. And I think you have an interesting journey, right? And it ties into our topic. (laughs) So can you tell us about your experience? I believe you work with some of the major food brands as a journalist and marketing, marketing executive before you became a nutritionist, yogi, coach, um, etc. So what's the story? Yeah, so I did start my career as a journalist. And uh, during that time, I was pitched a lot of stories and covered a lot of stories about a wide variety of things, including food and agriculture. And at the time, I really prided myself on having a combination of, I'd say, curiosity and skepticism. I mean, we all think of journalists as old skeptics, and you got to ask the tough questions. And, you know, I believe I did, but I always looked for balance. And if there was a good story to be told, I told it. And if there was a hard question to be asked, I told that too. And um, so I, I enjoyed my work as both a print and broadcast journalist for many years. And then I shifted into public relations and marketing. And a lot of the clients that I worked with during those, um, you know, it was more than a decade, that's for sure. Um, were either pharmaceutical clients or big food clients. So we're talking the crafts and the Unilevers and the, um, you know, the Quaker Oats and, you know, all of those big food companies um, were all clients of mine. And becoming a communication support to them um, was a little bit different than being a journalist, but I went into it believing that Every product and every company has the right to tell their story. And so I felt fine helping them tell their stories and leaving it up to the public and consumers and journalists then to make their own decisions about those stories. But it really, honestly, all started to change with the growth of leveraging influencers and using influencers to um, to pad stories and to pad health claims and to shift the, I would say, the veracity of some of these stories. That's when it really started to change for me. Oh, can you share a little bit about what you were seeing with those influencers and claims? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So whether it was dietitians or doctors or scientists and researchers, and most concerningly in my mind were these made up groups that were really fronts for industry and were funded solely by commercial entities. For example, the Beverage Institute for Health and Wellness, which was really an organization that was fronted by Coca-Cola and other beverage companies, or the Alliance for Better Foods, which was really a front for a lot of genetically modified um, biotech companies, or the Children's Food and Energy Council, which had a wide variety of um, stakeholder groups in it, whether it was for kids' sugary cereals or beverages or granola bars or whatever. So these organizations were formed to uh, make it look like there was sort of a third party arm's length um, groundswell of support for these products and for this information. And to me, 
that really started to feel extremely uncomfortable, even though, full disclosure here, I was responsible for creating some of these and for pushing some of these messages out there. I mean, not proud of it. I like to say now that I use my powers for good, not evil. But back in those days, I I worked a lot with these groups and I, I messaged for them and I helped them to tell stories that I would say were excruciatingly one-sided. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of listeners are going to be shocked to hear that, right? Because oh, gosh. This is happening in so many ways behind the scenes. And I see so many patients part of different Facebook groups for yeah. certain health conditions. And a lot of times it's geared towards certain products or product yeah. lines. And you wonder if the experiences are authentic enough. Like, how do we know? Yeah, it's <laughs> tough, right? You know, yeah. it's tough. And I mean, back in those days, social media was, you know, just a glimmer in somebody's eye. It wasn't even a Around. So we use traditional media relations activities and traditional advertising and traditional event activities. Now uh, it's it's so much easier now to uh, uh, I get uh, I guess obfuscate the truth or shape the truth in a way that you know only fits one side of the answer. And it's tough, man. It is really uh, it's I feel for my clients and they have lots of questions and. They often bring me something and say, hey, you know, I heard this on, you know, uh, sometimes even a podcast. I heard this on this podcast or I saw this TikTok and what do you think of this? Or I want to follow this program because so-and-so said it was great. And I always ask them to stop and take a breath and let's ask some questions. So, you know, if you you look at, uh, if you look at how do you sort of... um how do you sort of determine what is true and what is not true? And how do you navigate through that? I mean, getting educated is the number one thing. And you got it. You really do have to put your journalist hat on and be curious and question all those claims and perspectives. And there, to me, you know, you should never consider one single source for information widen your lens and look at what the opposite of the information is being shared. And, you know, does it seem as credible as the what you were first going to believe in? And ask yourself, who really stands to gain from this claim that's being made? And I think that helps to uncover, um, you know, follow the money, where where's the money coming from? And who is who is benefiting from this? I, you know, Lisa, I don't know if you heard, uh, you know, as, as recently as last week, but the Washington Post had a bit of an expose about some dietitians uh, who were seen as influencers on TikTok. And they were actually um, being supported by an organization called American Beverage, which is an industry group for the soda pop category. And, um, they were really promoting the idea that uh, the World Health Organization, who's come out with some pretty significant warnings against aspartame, that this was fake news and that um, they were all seen drinking, you know, um, you know, uh, artificially sweetened drinks on there and and debunking what they said were all these myths. And uh, they were paid spokespeople for the beverage 
Institute and for this company called, well, this organization called American Beverage. So when they were called on this, they said, well, we were clear that we were paid spokespeople. We hashtagged paid sponsorship and we hashtagged, uh, you know, American Beverage in our, our posts. Well, tell me, like, let's be serious. Who in their right mind takes the time when they're scrolling through social media to look at every hashtag and ask the question, hey, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. So to me, that is just uh, that just destroys credibility for professionals in our industry. And it really calls into question the truthfulness and the authenticity of the information that's being shared. Wow, I hadn't heard about that. That it's is horrible. shocking. That is horrible. And what about regulations for different licensed healthcare practitioners? Like you mentioned, dietitians, yeah. medical doctors. Yeah. Like, how do they get away with this? Well, they say they have, you know, the both the Canadian Dietetics Association and the American one um, say that they've got, you know, ethics, codes of ethics that um, govern these guidelines. And that as long as, you know, um, dietitians or other licensed professionals are clear about uh, the fact that they are um, providing a service as a spokesperson, a paid spokesperson, that it falls within the guidelines. And I agree with that. I, you know, I don't think that You know, I often talk about products I love. I am not a paid spokesperson for anybody, but I do talk about products I love and I do talk about, you know, why I love them. And I do talk about the benefits that they may or may not have. And that is fair game, I find. And I don't even think that I am so opposed to people being paid for their professional opinion or services. But where the line needs to be drawn is you got to be transparent about it and you got to be 100% clear that mm-hmm. what you're saying is because you are a paid spokesperson, not for a group that's hiding behind the name of American Beverage, but that this is a group that is made up of, um, you know, sugar sweetened um, beverages and yeah, artificially sweetened line. beverages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the first line of the post, right? Like 100%. I am paid to say this. That's, you know, that's something different, but this yeah. is really hidden. And like you said, hidden yeah. behind these yeah. organizations. Yeah. yeah. So, so you really have to be, you know, I, I caution my clients and people who, you know, stop me in the grocery store because they know who I am and, and, and ask me what I think of certain products and stuff. I, you know, I always say you have to be wary of influencers who are either too certain or too one-sided because that's really not how good science and good information about nutrition and health is developed or shared. We are, you know, like the things that we know today is ever evolving and we are ever learning. So anybody who says this is the black and white way to do it and there's only one way to do it and you only can believe this, those are people to be really wary about, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good point. Yeah, I loved all the points you raised about looking at, you know, the opposite mm-hmm. and really asking the questions, trying to follow where the money is coming from. Mm-hmm. So these are all good strategies to navigate that mm-hmm. health washing. And you talked about those different organizations for, you know, the beverage, for the GMOs, for yeah. um, sugar. So it sounds like some of them are debunking, obviously, reasons why these foods are bad for us. Have you seen kind of it go to the next level and say, some of these things are actually healthy and can be used to treat various conditions or disorders. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Many of them like talk about, you know, the idea that GMOs will, will feed the world. You know, I, um, 
I'll recount a story from my time working as a influencer development. Um, I actually, Monsanto was a client of mine at one point, and we created what was called Moms for Monsanto, which was a group of farm moms and wives from across Canada who talked about feeding the world through the development of um, genetically modified crops. And they had a fundraising campaign to help through African famines. And we promoted them and they got tons of media coverage. And all of a sudden, moms for Monsanto, you know, Monsanto didn't seem so scary and so, um, so uh, challenging anymore. So I think there's lots of things out there that we have to keep an eye on. And not to say that these women did not go into this with the very best of intentions. Um, But you know, there was a reason that Monsanto wanted mums on side. And that's what health washing is kind of all about, right? Yeah, yeah. They're not looking at the people who are spraying the pesticides and the negative health effects of genetically modified food. um, Yeah, and and for... You know, for every for every piece of research that you can get that says this is great for you, somebody, if they want to say it's not great for you, they're going to come up with a way to skew some research so that it looks like it's not good for you. So that's why being discerning and not believing any um, piece of one single piece of research out there, um, you always have to look and say who paid for that research and what was in it for them to to do that? Like, why would somebody invest in that? The other interesting thing that happened in my earlier career, Lisa, was I, um, the Ontario Produce Manufacturers Association, who, um, uh, who represents fruits and vegetable farmers, um, came to us and said, you know, we're losing the battle to get people to eat. In those days, it was the five a day thing. Can you help us? And we're like, sure, there's lots of things we could do to, you know, help you help people understand how to use fruits and vegetables in different ways. And why is it great? But they didn't have any money because fruits and vegetable farmers don't have a lot of money compared to some of these big biotech companies and these big commercial entities. And so, you know, as a as a big marketing company, we were unable to take them on as a client. So when you wonder like, why don't we hear more about the good things about fruits and vegetables? Well, that's part of it. Like, there's mm-hmm. no money to market it, right? Definitely. They're not one of the the big uh, guys or the big ones on the block out there, unfortunately. And then we t- I mentioned the term health washing. Can you explain to our listeners what that means? And can you give us some examples of that? Yeah. So, so you know, you hear, sometimes hear by greenwashing or health washing, or it comes from the idea of brainwashing. Um, and so health washing is really trying to promote something that might be great for you. Um, that really, that it, it's carrying a healthy halo that might be great for you, that really, um, what does it actually mean? So here's a, here's an example of some packaging. I love dates and I promote them a lot with, you know, my clients. They're great for fiber and they're a good natural sweetener and they're a nice snack and, you know, all of the above. But I noticed on a package of dates that I bought the other day, organic dates, which was fabulous, that they said on the outside of them, no cholesterol. And I'm like, well, no kidding. 
because <laughs> it's a plant and there's no cholesterol in dates. But you could tell that they were using this because people are still thinking out there, oh, if something's no cholesterol, oh, it's good for me. So I was a little bit disappointed in that company then because I thought, well, gee, why did you have to say that? There were many other things you could say about dates like high in fiber and natural sugar and all that good stuff. But they chose to go with the no cholesterol, which to me is 100% health washing. Totally. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a good example. It reminds me of when I was in university and it was the time of no fat and nibs right. had on the packaging nibs, like those little yep. you know, licorice red yep. gummy things said no fat. I said, yep. great, these are healthy for me. So I ate them all the time. That's Obviously, a- it was not good for me. That contributed to my, you know, freshman 15 and some acne yeah. and stuff. But it was like that time, anything that was no fat, it was like, oh, just eat it. Oh, yeah, have the bagel. Don't have the eggs. Like, yeah, it was shocking, right? It was processed That's- food, but it seemed it was seemed to have made healthy. So totally true. That is such a great example example, Lisa, and that's such a great example when, you know, when people see a claim, I think it's important to ask, is this claim relevant? So was it relevant to say, you know, (laughs) that on the nibs, no fat? Is it relevant to say no cholesterol on dates? And what does that mean? And again, it just plays into people's continuing demonization of a certain type of food. So we, as people who work in the area of health and wellness and nutrition, we have to work really hard to be credible and to be transparent and to manage our biases and to manage all the biases that are getting thrown out in society and through the media, et cetera, just to help our clients and the world navigate how do you, how do you make the best choices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had the experience with Stuart yesterday. So we went out and we went to a smoothie place and he got a small mm-hmm. smoothie and then he wanted to go to Starbucks to pick out something sweet. So I said, sure. So he's looking at the counter and he was comparing the cake pop to the butter croissant. And he was like, oh, the cake pop has less calories. And first of all, I don't talk to him about calories. So I'm not sure where, you know, I'm like, you don't have to worry about calories. But he's like, well, the cake pop has less calories and it costs a little less. I'll get that one. But then I explained uh- to him, well, the butter croissant probably has more calories because there's butter in it and that's going to keep you fuller longer and there's no artificial color in the butter croissant you know there's probably less sugar so I was trying to help him navigate that so it's interesting just we look at that one thing not the whole food itself and what else is in it or not in it yeah and I think you know um it's you know it's no surprise to anybody who works in our industry to to know that uh you know back when ultra processed foods really started to take off and the claims on both on the labeling and the ingredients and you know those sorts of uh things started to be more regulated um then the front of the pack claims became more important. So that's where you saw things like a good source of this or lower in sugar. Well, lower than what in sugar? You know, so so again, it's like, it's all relative. So when I feel for people who are really just trying to get their groceries bought, because you know, you're just rushing through the grocery store trying to get your stuff done. And you're trying to make the best decisions right at shelf. And my gosh, it's so hard because you just 
you're trying to take things at face value. You're trying to believe the best of companies and of the government for keeping us safe. And yet, is it true? Is it mm-hmm. true? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have tips when people go shopping? Like people say, you know, shop the perimeter, make sure it's like real whole food. Like what can, what are some basic steps to know what we're getting is actually, you know, nourishing and good for us? Yeah. So I would say, um, uh, you know, it kind of goes back to the, you know, the the things that we've already talked about in terms of like, is this claim relevant? You know, and, um, you know, what is it that's important to you in your diet? Are you looking for something that is, are you looking to get more fiber in your diet? Is it, you know, is that what you're looking to, to augment? Then you should be looking specifically at what does that mean from the packaged food that you're choosing? Or where are you going to get your fiber from? The fruits and vegetables. If you're looking specifically to manage added sugars, then you need to look on the back and look at the ingredient panel and ferret out some of those those um, sneaky ways that you, that manufacturers talk about sugars. I mean, when they put added sugars in, sometimes they break it up among five or six or seven different kinds of added sugars because then they don't count towards the total added sugars. So there may be a whole bunch of different sugars in there, but, you know, they may be broken up in the in the ingredient list. And so it doesn't look like sugar is the second ingredient on your list. So there's, you know, there's there's many sneaky ways that it happens. And so I would say to arm yourself when you go out there, don't get paranoid, but just, you know, take your time thinking about what is important to me and to my family. Is it looking at things that have the least amount of sugar, the least amount of processing, the least amount of um, uh, trans fats, the least amount of saturated fats? Like, what are you looking for? And then focus in on that. And of Mm. course, the least amount of ultra processed foods, the better. But I know busy families often have to try to augment with something once in a while because they're just on the run, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So it's yeah, what is what is your state of health and your family's health? What yeah. kind of conditions do you have? What sort of outcomes are you looking for? And then choosing based on that, and hopefully you're recognizing the ingredients on the label, and hopefully there's yeah. not too many. So those are all some great tools. Yeah. And then do you see, is there something right now that's kind of being used for health washing? Like if it's like keto, like have you seen anything outrageous that has just shocked you or angered <laughs> you that we should be aware of? <laughs> well, I certainly have to say that the whole keto thing is like everything is all about keto now right and Mm -hmm. you you really have to look on the label to see what is it that's going in there and for so many like there's keto wraps and things out there that are just full of so many different um, ingredients that I say okay why do you want all that in there and it's kind of gross so Mm -hmm. I I think you got to be super careful with that I think with any new diet program or diet fad or diet idea that's out there, the commercial industrial food practices are going to follow where they think consumers are going. So right now we're seeing a plethora of these keto things. I hate seeing keto ice cream out there. That Mm -hmm. drives me crazy. Like (laughs) I, I just can't imagine the junk that's in there. 
And not only that, it tastes kind of gross too. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's stuff like that, that like, why, why? Mm-hmm. Like, if you really want to follow a keto lifestyle, then follow it, but don't substitute in foods from your other life into your keto life. Like mm-hmm. that's just a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. It's still, yeah. Process, packaged foods. Yes, mm-hmm. it may be keto, but is it actually giving your body what it needs? And you could not be having all. negative yeah. reactions. Yeah. So thanks for, so, for sharing that. So Lisa, I have a couple of um, resources that I think may be helpful to your um, sure, yeah. to your listeners if they want to do a bit of reading and such. That One is called The Confident Food Shopper. It's a book. And it's called A Guide to Food Labels and Fables. And it's written by a naturopath. And her name is Dr. Talia Charney, C-H-A-R-N-E-Y. Yes. And she does have a book out. It's a few years old now, but it's really, I think it's a really good little book, a good little uh, resource for people to look at to really start understanding you know, what does it mean when you uh, this says this on the label? And what should you look at when you're talking about free run eggs? And what does a claim of low fat really mean? So it's a good little resource book to to start with. I think it's kind of good. Um, and the other one that I really love that's much newer that I just finished reading was called um, Spoon Fed, why almost everything we've been told about food is wrong. And it's written by a UK author named Tim Spector. He's a, he's a researcher and he actually also has a podcast called Zoe Science and Nutrition with a bunch of people, but he kind of goes through everything from, um, you know, the big fat debate, debate to like counting calories and why that's irrelevant to what, um, uh, what does it mean when there are claims on certain diets and what's the big deal about, you know, gluten free and keto and uh, like, what can you believe? Right. Um, mm. so it's a, it's a good one too. And it's quite, quite recent. So, uh, I think they're both really good places for people to start if they're looking for stuff. And, and of course, you know, seeing, seeing a nutrition professional is, is important as yourself, well. Yeah, I that. mean, yeah. there's me and there's like lots of other wonderful nutrition colleagues out there too. And sometimes it just helps to walk through a grocery store to actually look at things that you would put in your grocery basket and really have a discerning eye on it. I mean, that I do that many times with my clients and uh, sometimes clients will bring me a product and we'll just go over it on Zoom and say, why do you like it and what can we sub out for it? And, you know, what's it really telling you on this this um, label? So, you know, there's lots of cool things like that you can do to really get yourself curious and educated. I love those. Yeah, I'll have to check those out myself too. And that's good to know. Mm-hmm. You can walk clients through the grocery shop through different products. And so how, what are ways people can connect with you and then actually start working with you? Yeah, so I invite people to come and find out a little bit more about me. My website is biteoutoflife.ca. And you can get in touch with me, Trish, at biteoutoflife.ca. And I have a weekly uh, news bulletin that goes out. And in it, I always include some kind of fun recipe. But I usually take on some kind of an issue. Sometimes it's the issue of uh, food labeling or getting fooled by food. And sometimes it's about, you know, um, 
uh, mindfulness in the workplace. And sometimes it's about, you know, how do you grocery shop and keep the uh, keep the prices down these days? It's a variety of different things. Uh, in the month of October, which is um, Menopause Awareness Month all around the world, I'm going to be s- uh, focusing specifically on all things perimenopause and menopause. And in fact, on World Menopause Day on um, October 18th, I'm going to do a free talk. Um, it's going to be online so anybody can hop on it. And if you want to get invited to it, just drop me a note and I'm happy to include you. Okay, just through email is the best Yeah. Way. yeah. Through, okay, through emails, the best way. Yeah. So, and you know, if people have questions, they can reach out to you. Are you on, do you use Instagram a lot? I do use Instagram and I also have a Facebook site. Um, I'm probably more active on Instagram and they can certainly um, DM me there too. Um, and uh, I'm a little bit old school. I do like to talk to people uh, on the phone sometimes too. <laughs> and I do like to, uh, I do like to have an email correspondence with them too. So it, people can reach out in any way that makes them happy. We'll share all that info. Um, so that was, I loved how we dived into that topic to be cover everything that you wanted to share. I think so. You know, I would just say, you know, my best advice is just um, look at who who's providing the information that you are um, you are gulping down. And is there another point of view that you should consider? Mm-hmm. very valuable. And I can't wait to check out those books and look more into this. So thank you for mm-hmm. sharing all of that. We'll now move to the second part of the podcast. So we're going to share our super mom or for you, your super aunt moment. So I can oh. go first if you want. Yeah. <laughs> sure. I to think about it. But my super mom moment for the week is that Pete has been away for several you know, evenings and an overnight because his brother was visiting from Vancouver. And I'm proud to say I was prepared with meals. I batch cook things for lunch, <gasps> for dinner, for breakfast. So it just made things easier. And I could be more present with Stuart and not trying to do all the things. And that gives me a makes me want to give like a shout out to all the single parents out there. I don't <laughs> know how you do it. So you are all superhumans. So that oh was my, my gosh. moment. <laughs> wow. Well, that is a big high five to you because you know um preparation is tough for sure and my story uh sort of like leads from that too um the month of september i just completed uh 30 days of uh full-time vegetarian eating wow. i um i wanted to try it because i was just getting bored with the way I was eating. And I just thought if I take a stand on this, I will be forced to find new ways to eat and new dishes to put into the repertoire. And I will tell you on the days that I was prepared, and when I thought farther ahead and did some meal planning and some batch cooking, it was smooth as silk. And on days when it wasn't, I was thinking, damn, if I could only put a chicken breast on the barbecue, (laughs) it would be all taken care of. So I can hear exactly what you say about being prepared. And I loved doing this for the month because it really got me thinking about different ways of cooking and different um, cuisines to bring back in for, you know, the the weekly repertoire. And I did learn how to cook crispy tofu finally. So yeah. <laughs> that, that was so exciting. <laughs> 
We'll have to look for your recipes for sure. Yeah, I've been all about tofu. I try to make it crispy through baking or pan frying, but I'll have to get that yes. information from you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the, the the big tip, Lisa, is tear it, don't cut it. So you've got oh. lots of you've got lots of like sort of rough edges because those crisp up a little bit. And oh, then okay. toss it in some cornstarch, but before you actually then pan fry it or bake it or air fry it or whatever, put it in a sieve and really shake off as much of the cornstarch as you can. Can, because if if it's too thick then it's going to be gloopy but if it's really thin then it's going to be crispy love it I never <laughs> tore tofu before I always chop it so thank yeah you. so Tara yeah. That. yeah that corn flour so thank you yeah. so much for that um so that would be your super moment right it it's just sure would Great. Well. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to share my mess up. So um, Stu- uh, Pete and I have been letting Stuart watch just regular YouTube. Sometimes he wa- he puts it on our phone and then we have a Chromecast. So we cast it to the TV oh, mm-hmm. and I try to pay attention, but I don't always pay attention to what he's watching. And I just am getting so frustrated with the content on YouTube. A lot of it is mm. marketing, right? So people yeah. trying to sell you something. There's people showing you like the most expensive vacations. It's mm. like, brainwashing about having things and buying stuff. So we've banned YouTube for Stuart, unless we obviously pick it. He's able to watch some YouTube kids, but we're going back to more shows and movies mm. and you know, trying to limit the screen time because it just, yeah, it's teaching them these things that are not important. So that was my whoopsie. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, you know, you caught it in a, in, in a quick time. So that, you know, yeah. that's great too, right? Well, mine yeah. is a my little mess up this week, I had a busy week, um, not only with clients, but it was the Kingston Writers Festival here too. So I was off listening to some writers and going to a food writing workshop and doing all those sorts of things. And we were also helping some friends uh, relocate to our beautiful city here. And so it was a busy week. And I was in a hurry to meet someone and I was dressing quickly and I was trying on what shoes I wanted to wear. And, you know, I rushed out the door and I got to meet at the coffee shop and I looked down and I was wearing two different shoes. Oh. <laughs> they were, Maybe it's a new style. You're starting a new trend. Oh my gosh. They were both flats, but I had tried one of each on and was looking in the mirror and then I got distracted and blah, blah, blah. And so the moral of the story is like, it, you know, either have a final mirror check or stay in the moment, stay present or just like, set a different fashion trend, I guess, but <laughs> it was highly embarrassing, I must say. Oh, it happens. I'm sure we all have stories <laughs> like that where you have my shirts on backwards, my shirts have been on inside out. So oh my gosh. it happens, but that I like that. Maybe it's a new trend. <laughs> um, and then what we'll go through our must-haves. So mine is I, I was at the Canadian Health Food Association trade show or conference, and I tried the Kettle and Fire chicken and turmeric with ginger bone broth and it was delicious so I'm obsessed with that right now and I just heat up a little bit every day and drink about a mug or so just to help my immune system I'm getting over being sick so that was really nourishing for me yeah um quick and easy I like making bone broth but I don't always get around to it even though it's easy but it's just a few extra steps more the cleanup is the pain I Um, I think you're right I agree with you on that it's it's a and for some reason I never think to do it in the summertime even even though, you know, it's still good to have it around in the summertime, right? That's right. Yeah. And hopefully yeah. this kettle and fire bone broth is not part of the health washing claim. I should look closer at the label. Actually, <laughs> so Now that I said that, I'm going to double check. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, and then what's your must have, Trish? 
Well, I have recently taken up knitting and I've taken it up because I was finding that I was spending too much time on screens. So even if I was watching TV or even if I was sitting around with friends and we were chit chatting and, you know, doing things like that, I, I was, I was still looking at my phone too much and I was still going to, you know, scroll quickly through email or whatever. But with my hands busy with knitting, I can chat and knit at the same time. I can watch TV and knit at the same time. And I'm not looking at my screen. And that has really made a big difference to me. I love that. That's such a good tool, right? So you're, I'm a terrible knitter, but it's looking terrible, but but it, uh, you know, it keeps my hands busy and there is just something soothing about um, just keeping your hands busy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people talk about that lately, like whether it's your cooking or yep. cleaning or knitting, yep. it's just something satisfying about using your hands and it's calming yep. as well. So yep. thanks yep. for sharing that. That's a good tip for us to think about. Um, so I'm going to share what else is happening. So Dr. Tony has another hypnobirthing session for expecting parents looking to decrease fear and anxiety to support their natural instincts around labor and birth. It's happening this fall. So you could join her at www.hypnobirthingcalgary.com forward slash register. And then if you're a listener in Toronto, you want to vote for me, I was nominated for um, Best Naturopathic Clinic Service in the Toronto Stars 2023 Reader's Choice Awards. You can go to my Instagram at Dr. Lisa Weeks, that's Dr. Lisa Weeks, ND, and the link is there to vote for me. You have until October 23rd. So thanks for uh, people who nominated and have already voted. Um, So thanks everybody for listening today. You can email us or connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. We'd love you to subscribe, leave us a review and a five-star rating if you enjoyed this episode. And you can support us by visiting our Patreon page. So please tell your perimenopausal mama friends about us too. Stay safe and healthy, everyone. And thanks again, Trish. I love all the knowledge you share every time you come on. Thanks so much, Lisa. Great to talk with you.